This is Melissa Lau, Associate Pastor of Congregational Care and Missions at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast. Throughout January, we will be exploring a biblical approach to the usage of the Enneagram for our spiritual formation. Please jump in and learn along with us as we go on this transformative journey. Thanks again for listening. God bless. During the month of January, we're spending some time hopefully reflecting on who we are as God's unique gifts to this world. And not only learning who we are, but moving beyond understanding ourselves better to appreciating the unique gift that we are from God to this world. Here at Wesley Memorial Church, we, we typically do not do quick weddings like can happen, for instance, in Myrtle Beach at the wedding chapels or Las Vegas at the wedding chapels. Before we do a wedding here at Wesley Memorial Church, we want to spend time, the pastors want to spend time with the couple that is approaching their marriage. We want to put together a wedding that is an appropriate act of worship for our God, and we want to help that couple prepare, not just for the wedding, but prepare for their marriage. So we don't do quick weddings, we want to spend some time with the couples in anticipation of their marriage, doing premarital counseling. And over the years of my ministry, and I guess I've done about 300 weddings over the course of my ministry, I've come to understand that one of the keys to successful marriage is not only understanding the personality of the person to whom we are married, but also moving beyond the understanding of that person's personality to appreciating that person's personality, to celebrating that person's unique personality. We are spending the month of January hopefully getting to know ourselves a little better so that we can know who we are in relationship to others, and that includes even our relationship to God. Hopefully during the month of January as we seek to become the best version of ourselves for our sake, for the sake of those with whom we're in relationships, for the sake of the world and for the sake of God, we, we are helping one another use tools to help us reflect on who we are, to help us reflect as to what it means to be in relationship. And we have to understand our own unique giftedness, our personalities to do that. And there are a lot of tools out there that can help us get to know ourselves better. One of the tools we're lifting up during the month of January is what, we, what is called the Enneagram. It is simply one other personality test that uh, is based on nine different personality tests. And you can spend time with the Enneagram and hopefully learn yourself better and uh, perhaps even learn what it means for others to be in relationship with you because we're all very unique unique individuals. God has gifted us in very unique ways. And we have great strengths, and at times those same strengths can be our weaknesses. 
we, we can understand more about who we are through the Enneagram. Many of you are involved in Pastor Melissa's uh, course on the Enneagram that's happen, happening on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. via Zoom. And even if you haven't participated in those Enneagram teaching sessions, uh, you're still invited to do so. Just contact Pastor Melissa, send her an email, and she will help you uh, connect with that group. She'll send you the uh, um, Zoom invitation so that you can join them on Wednesday evenings. And even though you've missed some of the sessions, uh, she welcomes you and she'll send you uh, the recordings of the previous sessions. But if you just spend some time studying the Enneagram, um, if you're like most of us, you'll learn some things about yourself. And that's usually good, and that can be a little troubling sometimes. The Enneagram will help us see what it is God has to do in our lives to sanctify our particular personalities. What a work of grace would look like in our lives to help who we are as individuals to become more like Jesus Christ. And of course, sanctification, that's the theological term, or growth in grace, or going on to perfection, or becoming more like Christ, or growing up into the image of Christ, begins when we honestly look at ourselves. And as Christians, we, we find a great deal of spiritual benefit from reflection on who we are. Sometimes the people around us understand who we are better than we ourselves understand sometimes because sometimes we can participate in delusion and denial. So something like the Enneagram will, will help you understand your strengths and understand your weaknesses because we not only need to understand ourselves, we need to move beyond the understanding to appreciating and celebrating who we are and who these other irritants are in our lives. They're unique gifts of God with special strengths and special weaknesses. Uh, you've heard me say several times now that I'm a, I'm a number one, and that doesn't need to mean much to you unless you have to be in a relationship with me. Then it may help you to know that I'm a number one um, with a wing toward number nine, and you don't need to know what any of that means. Pastor Melissa can help you with that. But as a number one, one of the things I know about myself is that uh, I can get tasks done, I can move forward with a project, I can help fix people, I can help fix movements, I can help fix the church, and I'm, I'm really rather ruthless at trying, at trying to fix myself. And again, you need to keep in mind the Enneagram is not just for the purpose of fixing ourselves, but also to help us celebrate who we are, celebrate the uniqueness about us that God can use. Uh, but as a number one, you've heard me say, I said it last week, that I have this pretty severe inner critic. That's a downside of being a number one. You know, I can't tell you how many times, it's less than it used to be, but how many times a day I find myself um, singing that old African-American spiritual fix me, Jesus, fix me. Because I have that inner critic that's um, um, rapid about pointing out to me where I need to be better and different and more like Christ. 
Again, our strengths can be our weaknesses. Uh, I, I, I can get some things done. I can focus on a task. Uh, sometimes that's wonderful. Our society around us really appreciates those of us that are number ones. They like to hire us to run things. They like to uh, elevate us to becoming CEOs. But as you probably know, it's not easy sometimes being in a relationship with number ones. And all nine of the personality types on the Enneagram, they have their strengths, and frequently those strengths also become their weaknesses. You see, I can be so focused on getting something done, so focused on changing the world, um, that I may not be paying the attention to you as an individual human being in my presence that I need to be taking a special notice of. I remember when I went into the ministry, and I am a recovering, number one, in process, moving away from my perfectionism, moving away from my desire to control the world around me. Uh, God's worked in that area graciously in my life now for about 40 years. I've still got a long way to go, but, but I'm better than I used to be. When I first went in the ministry, I remember how important Eugene Peterson's book, The Contemplative Pastor, was for me. And in that book, there's a wonderful chapter all about the spirituality of small talk. As a number one, I struggle with small talk. I do it pretty well now after 40 years of practice. I really can even talk to you about the weather as if I really care about it now as a number one. I, I've, I've, I've learned how to do small talk because I know the importance of that. But my personality, even the strengths of my personality, makes small talk a little difficult. I, I've tried to help people understand number ones from time to time. I've tried to even help people appreciate number ones uh, from time to time. Uh, and one of the things I use to help people appreciate us number ones is I, I say this. Let's, let's imagine you are aboard the Titanic and she's going down. You would at that point appreciate those of us who are organizing the lifeboats. Now, I may be ignoring you as a human being, but I'd be organizing the lifeboats. So there's, there's challenges with every personality type, and there's um, blessings from every personality type. And that's why if you learn more about who you are, you'll understand something about what God will have to do to sanctify your particular personality. As a number one, by nature, I am an evaluator. I'm always evaluating me, I'm evaluating you, I'm evaluating the church, I'm evaluating the world around me, uh, which means as an evaluator, I tend to be very prone to judgment. I tend to be very prone to judging situations and people. And it's important to know the strengths and the weaknesses of that. Now, I know that we're in a unique place in our culture where the non-Christian world will say to us Christians frequently, you shouldn't judge. That's just nonsense. We can't make it through life without judging. And they will even say to us, they may know nothing from the Bible, but they know what Jesus said in Matthew 7. They'll say, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. And I always say, keep reading. Because in that text, what you'll hear Jesus say, basically, is judge not, lest you be judged. But you need to judge the same way you want to be judged. 
you need to judge with the same grace and mercy that you want others to judge you. You see, the problem is sometimes for those of us that judge and evaluate, and we all do it all the time, for those of us that judge and evaluate, we, we judge ourselves sometimes with mercy and grace. We just don't want to share mercy and grace with the other people that we judge. Jesus says, you've got to judge. You've got to evaluate. You know, every time I'm at a traffic light and it turns green, I have to pass judgment on whether or not you're stopping at that red light. We have to judge throughout life. We have to evaluate throughout life. Or life will really do a number on us. Uh, We can't live intentionally without passing some degree of judgment, some degree of evaluation on life, even on people around us. If you've ever hired anybody to work in your organization, you know something about passing judgment on people. Jesus says just be careful how you pass judgment. Be careful how you judge. We have to judge. We just need to judge according to the golden rule, like we want to be judged. We just have to judge with grace and mercy. That's why, as a number one on the Enneagram, I desperately need to receive what the Apostle Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians. I desperately need to hear what he says in these two verses because he's saying something very important about how we judge ourselves and about how we judge the people around us. We have to be very, very careful how we Judge, because if we're not very, very careful how we judge and evaluate, we can judge and evaluate others and circumstances according to our ignorance. And we should never judge according to our ignorance. And we're in a particularly interesting place in in Western civilization where we're at a spot of history where ignorance can be shared more quickly than it's ever been able to be shared in the past. Thanks to Facebook and Twitter and social media, ignorance can go worldwide in a matter of moments. So we have to be particularly careful in this age to not judge, to not evaluate out of our ignorance. That's what Paul is saying here in this wonderful passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at it again. He says, from now on, Therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. The word, words there in the Greek literally says, we regard no one from the flesh. But it's translated here, we regard no one from the human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So we see people differently now. Paul is saying, therefore, the next verse, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has been made new. When Eugene Peterson in the message translates this passage, he says, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah once that way. And we got it all wrong, you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life virgins. 
That's according to the message, Eugene Peterson. And then in the Passion Translation, which is a, a very contemporary translation that um, I'm becoming more and more fond of, translates the text this way. We have a new perspective. We have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. I have, I have to constantly and consistently repent of evaluating people and circumstances out of my ignorance. We now have a new perspective, a new way of seeing people, of seeing ourselves, of seeing the world around us. We have to continue to evaluate life and people and circumstances, continue to judge, but we need to do it from this new perspective. Because of who we are in Jesus Christ as Christians, when I look at the people around me now, I have to endeavor to try to see those people not as the irritants that they can be sometimes, not as just merely opportunities for me to learn how to patiently love others, but I need to look at them as people made in the image of God. I need to look at them as people for whom Christ died. If those people have allowed themselves to be embraced by Christ, then I need to look at those people as people who are in Christ. A simple little phrase that's used dozens of, dozens of times in the New Testament. And I have to look at those people as people who are in Christ. And I've got to see them by virtue of their standing in Christ. The rule of St. Benedict, that remarkable ancient document that talks about living the practical Christian life, says that we ought to always receive everyone as we would receive Christ. So we need to see people differently now. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians, the second chapter, talks about how we're saved by grace we have faith in that grace and we're saved by grace. But then in verse 2 of Ephesians, in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, Paul says that because of grace, because of God's work, we are now a poema in Christ. Usually the English translates that a masterpiece in Christ. But the word poema, you know enough, you know that much Greek poema, poem. We are a poem, a work of art, a masterpiece because of what Christ is doing in us. We are works of art that are in the process of unfolding, being used for God's purposes in the world. And we need to remember that, that God loves us so much. This is what God has done for us. This is what God has done in us. We need to see each other this way. You know, it's not enough for us to be 
rehabilitated. It's not enough for us to be simply re-educated. It's not enough for us to simply be reformed, given human nature what it is. We come into the world and we shout, mine, mine, mine. That's human nature. So we need to be reborn. We need to be born from above spiritually. We need to be recreated. And that's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. I hope you understand that God loves you this much. God loves you enough to create you, to create you the unique individual that you are with special gifts and grace that can be perfected while you make this journey. But God has loved you enough to create you. God loves you enough to have you be recreated in Jesus Christ. We are all on a journey. We are all on a journey of transformation. By virtue of the very nature of life itself, the journey of life transforms us and changes us. It's not an option to refuse being changed by the journey of life. We're on a journey of transformation. We just need to be careful as to how we're being transformed. We need to be careful in regards to what we're letting life do to us. Life, by virtue of its nature, either will make us better or will make us bitter. And a lot of it has to do with what we desire out of life. We're all on a journey of transformation. I hope that we're all on a journey toward becoming the better version of ourselves. One of my spiritual directors many years ago told me that transformation, positive transformation, requires three things. Positive transformation requires suffering, requires silence, and requires surrender. Three S's, you can remember those. Positive transformation requires suffering. And this is a good thing because life provides us with so much of this. If you're not suffering right now, just hang on. You will be suffering before long. That's just the nature of the human condition. So we have to decide early on what are we going to do with suffering. Allow it to make us bitter or allow us to make us better. What are we going to do with suffering? Suffering provides us opportunities for growth. Suffering comes from the enemy, but God uses the suffering in this world to help us grow up. Suffering is a great teacher, and I suspect you've learned that. Suffering is a great teacher, and suffering changes us. You know, just because the calendar moves on, just because we get older, just because we have more experiences in life, that doesn't mean we get wiser. There are some old fools out there. It's not just the passing of time that helps us get wise. It's what we do with time. It's what we do with the experiences. It's what we do with the suffering that helps us become more like Christ. 
So the three S's that are needed for transformation, there's suffering, there's silence. I learned a long time ago the necessity of some solitude and some silence in my life if I'm going to try to become the better version of myself. And I learned a long time ago from one of my spiritual directors who said it this way, silence is the doorkeeper of the interior growth. Silence is important and that's hard and harder in this culture because I, I suspect you've noticed in this culture we are addicted to noise. Sometimes silence even makes us feel nervous and awkward. But silence is so important. It's in the silence that we can hear God speaking to us. It's in the silence that we can do some interior work as we reflect on who we are and who we want to be for God and the people in our lives. So I hope that you're embracing some silence every day and learning how to patiently listen for God. And then the last S that is necessary for positive transformation is surrender. There's suffering, silence, surrender. That's, that's the way the process is laid out before us. But surrender is important. Human nature being what it is means that we never come to conversion in Christ. We never make a turn to Christ until we realize that we are born at war with God. Again, we come into the world shouting, mine, mine, mine. We're born at war with God. C.S. Lewis says our initial conversion happens when we, when we finally decide to lay down our weapons and surrender to God. To say to God, I want what you want for my life and for this world. That's surrender. Now I know by human nature, surrender feels like quitting to us. But learning how to surrender to God, learning how to let go and let God in certain areas of our life do what it is God wants to do is essential for transformation. So suffering, silence, surrender, you are on a journey. We're all on a journey. I hope that we're patient with ourselves, patient with each other, and I hope that we're all journeying in the right direction. Your role, your unique place in this world is crucial to God's unfolding purposes in this world. And that's why for our sake, for the people in our lives' sake, the people that God has given us to love, and for God's sake and the sake of the world, we need to seek to become the best version of ourselves. That means we have to know Christ. It means we have to worship Christ. It means we have to serve Christ. Christ.